Hello, and welcome to another episode of EKU Online's eCast series. EKU Online's mission is to change lives by providing access to affordable and high-quality degree programs in meaningful disciplines that positively impact our society. We thank you for joining us today. Today, we are joined by Dr. Todd McCardle, who was born and raised in Vinton, Louisiana, a small town in southwest Louisiana. He earned a Bachelor of Science in English Education from McNeese State University, a Master of Education from the University of Houston, and a PhD in Curriculum and Instruction from the University of Florida in 2017. He taught high school language arts and journalism for 12 years at two large comprehensive high schools in Houston, Texas. Dr. McCardle is currently an Associate Professor of Curriculum and Instruction at Eastern Kentucky University. He also serves as Associate Chair of the Department of Educational Leadership and Counselor Education and is the coordinator of the Educational Doctorate in Educational Leadership, Policy Studies, and Social Justice Program. His research interests include the roles of diversity and issues of social justice in public schools and teacher education programs. Welcome, Dr. McCardle. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Uh, and let's jump right in. Let's go. As we begin our discussion, Dr. McCardle, please share with us what online courses you teach for the College of Education. Tell us how you manage to juggle your role as an administrator and as a professor. So uh, for our online courses, uh, I'm currently, well, I'm, I'll be teaching two. Uh, I teach one on the regular ETL 800, which is the it's an introduction to teacher leadership. Um, that's a course uh, I redesigned uh, about two years ago, and that's one that I've taught. I teach every semester in, in fall, summer, and in the spring. Um, another course uh, that I'm redesigning right now uh, that I will be teaching in the in the fall is EDL 950, it's Educating and Supporting Diverse Student Populations. It is a course that is shared by the EDD program and the Ed Specialist program, and that is uh, done online as well. Um, now, how do I manage to, to juggle uh, the roles of administrator and professor? That's, uh, I don't know if I have an answer to that, um, but that, I'll tell you that two of the things that, that, that keep me moving forward is a, um, an outlook calendar. <laughs> um, I, I, I do live by the calendar. The calendar keeps me, keeps me moving forward. Um, and that, that helps balance the administrative roles, uh, which, which, are, which are plenty but also the demands of a tenure track faculty member, which you got to keep up with the scholarship, the service and the teaching. Um, so uh, I, I keep all that thing. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty good at, uh, at using the calendar and, uh, and staying up with that. We understand that you're a professor who takes engagement with your online students very seriously. And, and this isn't something that's easy to achieve. Um, could you tell us how you do that and, and why you think it's so important? Well, yeah, and well, <laughs> first off, engagement is, is the only way that they're, they're going to, uh, to, to move forward. So uh, a few of the things that I do, I try to, try to keep up with, with what's going on, what's current, uh, what's new, what's, what's the way the field is evolving. Uh, that's the only way in, to keep students engaged and to give them information that's gonna be useful to them uh, in their schools. And we're, we're talking education students, I mean, we're, we're schools are progressing schools are evolving uh, we have to evolve with them so I, I am always trying new things um, and probably more importantly working closely with folks who know things um, so uh, i'll i'll tell you i'm working with uh, jordan dolls right now and 
she is um, helping me in this redesign with EDL 950. And we are working out ways to get the students to um, have doctoral level conversations and discussions with the literature in an asynchronous format, which is new to me. Um, how, do we, how do we keep this engagement up and these high requirements uh, at that level? And the answer is through using tools. And Jordan and I are, are working on ways to, to be able to do that. Um, another thing to keep students engaged is to give quick, meaningful feedback. Um, that is one thing that uh, I make sure that I give my students uh, feedback very timely. For instance, I have alerts on my calendar, like I mentioned earlier, to tell me it's, it's been 48 hours. Uh, students, uh, students need to know um, how they did, what they need to, to work on, what they need to, um, to do in order to improve uh, their work before their next submission. So giving quick, meaningful feedback and letting students know, hey, I'm here. Um, while this course may be asynchronous, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a person and I'm on the other side, I am here. So that, that presence is, is important and the students respond well to that. Most of the courses I work with are, are asynchronous, the online ones are asynchronous. Um, I make sure that I set up uh, meetings before every module. Um, these are not required, obviously, um, but a lot of students do uh, show up for them. Uh, and I record them for the students who can't make it because of other time commitments. So the students do see that, uh, that I do have a, 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 a strong presence uh, in the course, even though they can't see my face uh, through it much. So with those meetings, are, are, is that an, an individual thing you're scheduling or is that like, a, like they can all drop in as a group or how, well, format wise, how do you do that? I uh, offer it on Zoom and I say, whoever wants to show up can show up. Um, and a, a lot of them do. <laughs> Sometimes almost all of them do. Sometimes I'll have a couple. Uh, it depends on, I guess, the complexity of, of the module. Um, and then they come in and they ask me questions. Um, and I usually talk about what the next module is going, what's going to take place in there, the reasons behind it um, and what the expectations are. And then I give them holistic group feedback on the assignments. And they really like that um, because I give them the individual feedback whenever uh, they submit assignments, but they also really, really uh, um, place a lot of value on the group feedback. Um, so, and I give that in those meetings as well. I think it's amazing that something like that can really change the dynamic of an asynchronous class. I mean, then you've all of a sudden you've got, I mean, office hours and a meeting with your professor, which is not something that is offered everywhere or in, in many online programs. So many um, of them comment on that, on those course evaluations, they will talk about, they, they mentioned those meetings because they seem, it's, it's seemingly nothing uh, for me. Um, because it just takes 30 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half at max out of my time. Uh, but it means a lot to, to the students just to, for me to have that presence. A absolutely. Yeah. Well, 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 we've read the reviews too. So we can, uh, we can attest to what you say, the big, big thumbs up from, from our end as well. Um, the role of online teaching and learning is growing at an exponential pace. The courses certainly are not easier uh, and the self-initiated work ethic has to be there. So what do you attribute this growth to? Why are students flocking to online learning? I mean, I, I thought about this question. I, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, why, why students are doing this. Uh, and I, I keep going back to convenience. Um, I, I really think that it, it, is, it is much easier for students to hold down 
uh, whatever source of employment they have and still be able to, to get their college degree um, on their, not really their own time, but on, but on their own, during their own schedule uh, throughout, throughout the week. And, and that's important because, I mean, we, we have to understand that the rate of tuition, the, the, the rate that tuition has risen over the past few decades um, has far outpaced, exponentially outpaced the wage hikes uh, in, in um, minimum wage and in salary jobs. So it's, it's, it's very difficult for students to go to college right now and to be able to afford college. So they need those, uh, those jobs um, during the day if they have a family and a job. So it's, it, it, we're, we're talking about essentially two jobs there. The convenience of having this uh, online opportunity is something that a lot of students need. Um, so I, 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 I don't think we can overlook that. Um, and I, I still wanna to go back and underscore how wages have not kept up with, with tuition uh, raises. To piggyback off that question, Dr. McCardle, what kinds of students are you seeing uh, have, have success in, in your online courses and what attributes make for a solid online learner in, in your experience? All of them. Uh, so I think I, I've, all students uh, tend to, I've had students from all kinds of backgrounds do really well and excel in this format. Um, what sets the students apart are the ones who, who, who have the, the time and the ability to engage with each other. That, that takes a little bit more, more time um, because one of the major components of the, the courses I design require the students to engage with each other, especially in this doctoral level course, there's gonna be a lot of engagement with the students and, and with me. Um, and that, that, is, that takes time. So it's, it's students who, who have the time to be able to put into this work or the ones who are, who are successful. Those who are willing to take on the challenge uh, of, of growing, of understanding that they don't know everything, that they're, they're wanting to, to evolve as educators, as teacher leaders in one course, as administrators in the other course, as specialists. So shifting gears here a bit, we spoke with Dr. Blakely, your colleague, uh, about this issue in a podcast we did last year, but we'd love your take on it as well. Like I said, it's, it's uh, a breath of fresh air to find some education faculty that are, that are willing to talk to us savages. So um, a, a 2019 article in Kentucky Teacher, and, which is a publication of the Kentucky Department of Education, cited 5,000 open teaching positions statewide and also a 13% decline in the number of college students pursuing college degrees. Uh, to what do you attribute these alarming statistics to? And ultimately, what does it mean for the students in our Kentucky classrooms? Well, I think an easy and accurate answer would be, I mean, attacks. I mean, there, there have been blatant and explicit attacks on, uh, on public education by elected officials, I mean, in, especially in, we're looking in Kentucky, our, our former governor, um, but we also have folks who are supporting the election and re-election of folks who continue to blatantly attack public education, continue to defund public education, um, which, which, is, which is one way, and, and, and students see this uh, growing up, um, like they might be asking them is why would I go into a field where I'm going to have to continuously fight for my existence? Um, but that, while, while that, that is true, <laughs> um, 
I would be remiss in not taking some of the ownership if we didn't take some of the ownership onto ourselves as, as teacher education programs to know why are students not wanting to enter our program. And we do have to put the mirror up and say, are we providing, are we preparing students for schools in the 21st century? Um, are we up with the literature? Are we up with the philosophies? Do we know what a contemporary school even looks like? Because they change every single year. Um, I, I, I want to say that I didn't go to, I went to school, um, I graduated high school, what, 20, 30, 40, 25 years ago, <laughs> um, but it is nothing the same as, as it is now. Um, I have to stay up on, on the literature in my scholarship, in my research, in order to know what's going on in the schools. I have to be in those schools. We have to be inside of these schools to know what the needs are for these future teachers. Uh, are we preparing them to fail or are we preparing them um, to be successful and to flourish in the school system? So I, I do think it, 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 we need to look at ourselves. Are we really doing that? Are school districts, or, or, sorry, are teach, all teacher education programs able to do that or willing to do that? It, it, it is amazing. It, it, it seems uh, along with the responsibilities and expectations, I mean, just the expectations from the student end are, are way beyond what they probably were when you and I were both uh, mm -hmm. in, in college as well, or even in high school, but um, yeah. definitely a valid point there. But the political attacks really do need to stop. <laughs> Absolutely. They have, because students, in the end, they, they do need a pension. They do need a retirement. They do need health care. They do need a livable salary. So, um, so those, are, those are all very important things uh, that, that we do need to make sure and keep continue to fight for. Absolutely. Well said. Uh, from your perspective, Dr. McArdle, how do you see the future of education taking shape? Uh, I mean, should we be encouraged and hopeful for its future or should we be concerned? Always hopeful, always hopeful. Um, we can't keep continue to do the same thing that we've always done. We know that. I mean, a lot of things are not working for our historically marginalized student populations. Uh, we know that that's not working and we can't run from it and we can't pretend we don't know anymore. Um, I, I know that we've done really uh, well at avoiding this in the past. Um, but th this past year with COVID, it has underscored and highlighted um, the inequities in schooling for our historically marginalized populations. So if we can take this tragedy and learn from it and improve teacher education and improve school systems, then I, I really do think that things will get better. Um, we are, as that saying, we're at, we're at the precipice where we're about to find out what we're going to do and how this is going to go. Um, so I, I am hopeful um, that, that, that folks are prepared um, to take this into a, a, a positive, uh, a positive um, future for public education. I really appreciate what you said there. I mean, obviously, globally, we've all had such a year with COVID and so many uh, inadequacies of, of different systems have been brought to the forefront. But I do appreciate that, that, you know, you're acknowledging as well that there are some some things we could learn here. There are some things we could change here. And, and if we don't do that, it seems like we're making a huge mistake. So, uh, yeah, so it's that it's the whole the whole idea, the whole concept of folks are talking about, oh, well, we, we see everything that went wrong. But what would you keep? And I asked my students, what is the one thing that you would like to keep from, from this COVID year that we've learned? What is one thing in education that you would like to this to carry on and to continue? Um, 
So that, that's, that's, and the answer to that is, is, is that these are the things that we really need to focus on. And you, you'll get various answers from students because they're the ones who know what's working for them and what's not. Let's, let's switch gears to maybe a more pleasant topic. Uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about your research interest, Dr. McCardle. Well, my research, as, as, as you mentioned in the introduction, it's, it's, it all boils down to one word, access. So I, 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 I like to research um, student access to en enriching and engaging educational programs. We do know that historically speaking, the United, United States public education system has not been good for a lot of people. Um, it, it has been good for, for a, a privileged few. So I research things like, uh, the thing that I've done the most research on is the topic of tracking in schools or ability grouping at the younger ages and what that does and what that turns into in the secondary system, how we track students into to programs such as advanced, gifted um, and remedial. And students in second grade, as early as second grade, when they get tracked into these groups, they maintain those tracks throughout the schooling system a lot of the time. And it, it's, it's no secret when we look at the tracking systems in, in diverse schools, who's being tracked into which group. And it is a disproportionate number of students of color who are tracked into the lower, into the lower tracks and the lower ability groups. And that plays out, um, that plays out in, in, in higher education. Who's getting access to higher education? Who's getting access to advanced courses? Who's getting access to the teachers who are teaching the, the cutting edge curriculum, who are teaching the things that all of our students need, especially our students from historically marginalized populations. So that access piece is something I like to study. I like to be in the schools. Um, COVID has, has taken, a, taken a hit on my, uh, on my research agenda, but being in the schools and seeing uh, uh, who, gets into these programs and what students' perspectives are on each side of those programs. If you had to give an elevator pitch speech to a handful of education students and you had 30 seconds to tell them why they should take your courses, what in essence do you tell that group? We have fun. <laughs> oh, you said 30 seconds, I need to start counting though. Um, no, I mean, I, you, you should definitely uh, take a course with me because I, I'm going to challenge you. Uh, I'm gonna challenge your ideas. Um, e even, even if I agree with you or disagree with you, there will always be that, that challenge. I want students to think about what it is they do. And I start with the, um, with, with, with even with the undergraduate students, I make them think about everything as all the way back to the bell system in a school. Like, cause we take a lot of this, these, uh, these elements of formal schooling for granted. Like, why do we do this? Uh, why do we have, um, why do we have bell systems? Why do we have clip systems? Why do we have all of these different things going on? And I want them to challenge them. They don't, might not change their mind on certain things, but they'll, they'll question and make sure that that skill that they get from that will carry on into other aspects of their, their leadership or their teaching. I want them questioning everything that they do. Um, I will push back on, on seemingly any little thing uh, that they talk about in a, in a lesson plan, like, why, why are you doing this? Uh, why, why, why this seating chart? Why a seating chart? Why? Um, I, I need to know the why that you're doing everything. I want students thinking about everything that they do in their, uh, in their, in their classroom. So I'm, I'm definitely going to challenge students, which will evolve. Um, 
it will help them become stronger leaders and stronger teachers. And uh, we, we do it in a very safe way. I mean, I'm, I'm not demeaning. We're, we're not, it's not that kind of, a, of an atmosphere. It's the kind of an atmosphere where we're improving. We're continuously improving and crafting our skills. Fantastic. Uh, I'm going off script. We're going, we're going off road here. Um, 30 seconds. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're great. I, I, want, I want to throw you a curveball, but I want to uh, just, just for our, my edification and our listeners. Um, what, what has been the biggest surprise for you uh, going into this field? Um, I, I know, you know, we all go into things with, with expectations and preconceived notions, but what's been the biggest surprise for you uh, becoming an educator and an administrator in that field? Curveball. The biggest surprise in teacher education or in teaching? Because well, I, I've been <laughs> teaching for, for 12 years. Um, my biggest surprise was how much I actually enjoyed what I did. Um, and and I, I continue I, I to enjoy what I do, but for teaching, um, nothing will ever replace the joy I had for or teaching and being a in a classroom with students all day long. Um, that nothing will be able to compare to that. I still really like uh, like what I do, but the, the joy was uh, the biggest surprise because people say, in the end, it's, it's still, it's a job. Um, you don't have to like your job and that's true. Um, I happen to uh, like my job um, and, and like what I do, um, I get to, leave my house every morning and go and work and do things that impact children uh, either directly then or indirectly now but i know that on the other end of the work that i do there are there are children there are students great great answer sorry sorry to, to, to throw that out <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious because i uh i, I feel like being a teacher you, you, i i hope you have to like your job because it's it can be thankless work um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I know a lot of people don't. <laughs> sure. And it can be fine. I know a lot of good teachers that do this as, they, as their job, and that is, that is completely fine, um, and that, that's okay. I just happen to love it. <laughs> that's a great thing. <laughs> uh, Dr. McCardle, if you would, please share with our listeners a little bit about your personal interest. If, I mean, you're, you're wearing two hats here, so, so what is it you like to do with your spare time, if you have that? Um, well, I love to travel. Uh, that's... Um, Travel and cook. Um, so one of the things I, I do, so um, I'm from South Louisiana. I, I, I love cooking. Um, uh, one of my favorite things to cook is jambalaya. Um, and a lot of people aren't, aren't big fans of it, but jambalaya is, is probably my, my favorite meal. I don't cook boudin, but boudin is my favorite food. Um, every summer we go back home and, and I visit my, my family in Louisiana. We're gonna be back in a couple of weeks and I'm, I'm pretty ready because I didn't get to go last year because of COVID. Um, but uh, so I love traveling, um, love going to Europe. Um, it's been been a, little, in a while <laughs> since I've been back because I have two kids. Uh, so travel abroad has, uh, has not been so easy raising two kids. So a lot of our travel now takes place in a vehicle. Um, I'm also a, a big sports fan, um, pretty much into all competition. Um, love football. Uh, basketball, baseball, you name it. Um, if it's on TV, I, I will I will get into it. I'm pretty interested in it. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today, Dr. McCardle? 
I, I don't have anything. You have any more curveballs? <laughs> I was trying to think what else, well, how else could I throw something at him that we hadn't talked about? Well, here's, here's one, how about, and you ask. Um, oh yeah. You, you just mentioned, you, you know, previously the, the biggest surprise your job um, is, is, is loving that you do that. Um, and obviously there's, there's, you know, differences within the classroom, within the online environment. Have you been able to find that same payoff in the online environment? Yes, it's, it's more difficult. No doubt. Uh, online teaching is challenging. I, I know a lot of folks, I'll oh, just move it all online. It, it's, it's, no, um, it is far more, more difficult um, to have that same level of engagement because I, um, part of, part of my, my, my teaching style is sort of entertaining. Um, I, I do a lot of moving around um, and it, it, it is far more difficult to do online and I lose a lot. Um, I, I'm not gonna lie, um, not trying to take away from, from online learning. Um, a lot of my personality is hidden online um, because it's just really difficult to be uh, the, the style of teacher I am in an online environment. Um, that's why I, I, I like to have a mix of face-to-face uh, -face and online to, to be able to continue to have the, that face-to-face -face engagement. Um, but I'll tell you, those meetings are, are great that when students come, uh, I think that's why they react so well to them is because they get to see the side of me that they don't see in just typing. <laughs> I definitely think that's one of the things that sets, you know, obviously yourself, many of our faculty at, at, at EKU apart uh, is that we, they, we find that you all really go above and beyond in many cases to, to reach that level of engagement. And, and that's never lost on our students. So we thank you for that. Right. Uh, Dr. McCall, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you uh, and meeting you for the first time. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I hope we can thank get you, you in the studio uh, soon and we can get back to, to producing some normal stuff in a normal world. But but again, we thank you for your dedication to our students and appreciate your time today. No, yeah, yeah, when you need something.